Hello, and welcome to The Sound of Space, a podcast brought to you by the University of Toronto Aerospace Team. Okay, hello, and welcome to the inaugural episode of um, The Sound of Space, or as we like to call it, TSOS. Um, <laughs> if you've already listened to our trailer, then you'll know who the three of us are. Uh, so I'm Theo. I'm Jaden. I'm, and I'm Katan. Yeah, yeah. And um, uh, if you want to learn a little bit more about us, why we're here, you could go back and listen to our trailer. It's less than two minutes. Um, but yeah, this is our first episode. We're super excited about it. And um, we're talking about why you should or shouldn't go to space. Is it worth it? Um, and I guess when we were brainstorming like first episode ideas, this kind of this one stood out. Katan came up with this, actually. Um, and this one stood out the most because I feel like as space enthusiasts, it's something that comes up a lot in conversation. People are like, well, is it worth it? Why does so much money go into this? Why do you care? And all that stuff. So especially uh, since it's so dangerous. I mean, like space clearly doesn't want us there. Uh, you know, even it's probably the most humanly inhospitable environment possible. So um, it kind of is counterintuitive intuitive that we even want to go there. It's pretty lethal. Any flaw is going to be punished pretty severely. Yeah. And hopefully for those of you listening who aren't as familiar with kind of the aerospace industry and developments in it, this will kind of be a primer for future episodes, um, just kind of introducing topics that we'll get into uh, hopefully through the year. So just to, to kind of kick it off, uh, I want to ask you guys, how, what's, what's kind of the history of space? When did people start thinking there was useful stuff to be done in space? Uh, and, and with kind of the Cold War kicking off, how did that actually become a thing where we were regularly making missions into space? Well, I mean, it kind of all started with uh, the International Geophysical Year, which was a year dedicated to exploring the Earth. And it was based on the International Polar Years, which had um, occurred about 40, 50 years before. So this is like early space race um, um, around the 1950s. And uh, the, the goal was, as I mentioned, to explore uh, the Earth. And one aspect of that was exploring the Earth from space. So there was already initial plans to um, use some space technologies to, you know, fulfill this goal. And, but really, what, what really, pushed really it, pushed it <laughs> to the um, actual brink of fruition was um, the ICBM, Intercontinental Ballistic Missile Race, during the Cold War. Because basically, you know, Russia and um, the U.S. Were, or the USSR at, this, at that point um, were, were basically uh, racing to see who could build a missile that could hit the other country uh, faster. So at the same time, you inadvertently make the technology to go to space. Okay. So that's kind of how it began. And finally, some, there was some famous scientists, Sergei Kolorov, uh, Lloyd Berkner and the like, who took the opportunity and slipped in, like, for example, convinced Eisenhower that they could, you know, like Berkner convinced Eisenhower that they could use it for like spy satellites and stuff like that to convince their gov respective governments to go to space. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. That's awesome. I'm super glad, like, 
it turned out to be what it is now, like more kind of science based and everything. But it is always interesting to think that, you know, what had to push it initially was conflict and, you know, government, uh, government power and everything. It, it was um, hyper nationalism. Yeah, exactly. And coming off of World War Two, even with future technological developments of nuclear bomb right toward the end of the war and then people thinking okay well we have this capability now this industry to invest in future technologies and that's kind of what spurred it on as well i guess mm -hmm. we're kind of already talking in, in terms of the government sphere of benefits and, and pros and cons of space exploration so from a government perspective uh, one of the things that kind of stands out to me in terms of the the advantage for investing in space is kind of as we're saying if if a government does not, it will fall behind because it's necessarily one of those frontiers where everyone is playing. And if a government kind of ignores it, then they will be left behind. Uh, eventually, mm -hmm. the technology will outpace them and they'll, they'll lose these kind of uh, facilities to do things in space by themselves that they want. Uh, we're kind of seeing this with the US where after ending the shuttle missions, they're capacity for launching on their own soil astronauts to space different missions was very much restricted and it took spacex coming back to reintroduce that capability mm -hmm. and then with that, that comes the kind of manufacturing capabilities and the expertise to make that manufacturing robust and uh, reliable so all of those kind of factors conglomerate when a government invests in aerospace mm -hmm. I think you you see it even more in countries that weren't even in space to begin with. For example, the Indian space program, uh, which is having a really hard time setting up the infrastructure to catch up to people like uh, the the U.S. or Russia. Uh, on the other hand, you know, big countries like China are having an easier time. Um, they're kind of getting there, but there's some things that are impossible to circumvent, like. Uh, U.S. and Russia were the first to really establish themselves in space. So they're still the most prominent figures there. They're yeah. the most prominent figures. Infrastructure in space is based on their technologies and even language barriers like mm -hmm. the U.S. And it's mandatory to know both English and Russian if yeah. you're going to go into space. Yeah, for sure. That's such an interesting kind of cultural aspect to the, the governments and the nations that get, get involved. Mm hmm. I remember when I first found out, like, you have to know Russian to be an astronaut. I was like, oh, man, started, got to start Guess learning I'm not Russian. being an astronaut. <laughs> no, got to start learning Russian. Got to think positive. Start now. <laughs> right now, exactly. Yeah, I feel uh, like so far we've been talking a lot about kind of this government, like, national uh, kind of progress. But I think the question we get asked a lot is how does this affect the individual? How does this affect, you know, other industries? Um What's interesting to me is that, you know, NASA kind of caught on to this at some point that lots of people are very skeptical of how much money they're putting into, um, you know, the, the research and the launches and everything. So in 1962, I actually learned this very recently, they created this program that was specifically dedicated just to track which technologies they've kind of produced that have kind of propagated into other industries. Um, and every single year since 1976, they've been publishing something called spin-off and um, it basically highlights NASA technologies and how they benefit um, people on earth which is really interesting right 
There's like so yeah. many applications that we don't know came from space technology. Yeah, there's so many things. Like, for example, uh, there's a huge list of the, even from the original space race of things that we use now that were derived from the space race. Like quick summary, like athletic shoes, computer chips, conditioning, sports equipment, cooling suits, power tools, flame resistant textiles. Like there's so many things we use every single day. And something interesting that Neil deGrasse Tyson said is that spinoff products don't just happen. You can't just invest in them right away because they come from some other place, right? Like they, it's not something we know can be done, mm-hmm. right? It's kind of like the microwave oven being a product of the war, right? If we hadn't investigated other technologies, we wouldn't have things like microwave ovens. So mm-hmm. it's kind of the same idea for space where spinoffs are just, you know, when you're on in such a, on such a frontier, spinoffs are bound to happen and they'll benefit human life to begin with. I guess that kind of starts to address the question of why governments or why people even want to invest in something like space. Yep. It's because it's at like the front of kind of, you have to design for such extreme cases that you end up, you know, being at like the front lines of like what design can be. Leading you end edge up, technology. Exactly. Yes. Like cutting edge stuff. And there's so many things, like you said, that we kind of will use every single day in our lives now that, you know, came as a result of space exploration. Um, one like really cool application that um, I watched a video about this recently. It was on my YouTube recommended and I was like, okay. <laughs> um, and it was basically when um, when they first were sending astronauts up, um, maybe not when they were first doing, like in the 80s-ish, they kind of developed this system that would track, you know, how focused the astronaut is. Because once things are too automated, then that's when you start to lose focus. And basically, if the astronaut, if they could track the astronaut is not super focused, then they'll turn off the automation on some things, make them manual. So, right. So now, so now they have to start doing more things manually. And then when it's stressful, not going to lie. I know. (laughs) It's like, Hey, pay attention. (laughs) But when they track that, you know, you're actually focused, then they'll start to automate more of the tasks so that you can kind of work on other things. So this is just kind of to keep your, your brain uh, flowing. And this is something that's used now. I know like, so the LASIK uh, eye surgeries, right. You'll need something to track like the motion of, the patient's eye right so that the the surgeon can properly like perform the surgery and this is just something that you know astronauts are using this to track their focus in space and then it becomes you know the reason people have 2020 vision i don't have 2020 vision i wish i did but it's only yeah. a matter of time before it translates to the lecture hall Watch <laughs> <laughs> oh no <laughs> no it but is, that, that technological de- development is very much a depth versus breadth approach like some industry somewhere has to go into the depth before that breadth, that kind of spinoff can be developed. And that's very much where our space falls in. And uh, I, I think in, at, at this point, we're kind of talking about economic benefits uh, because, you know, mm-hmm. all these innovative technologies make it into the mainstream economy. But another aspect of that is that uh, we end up enlarging the economic sphere and in, in like, in which we play uh, because suddenly other resources become available by going to space, things like asteroid mining, or eventually, you know, within five to 10 years, we plan on being on the moon 
So suddenly we have another, um, you know, gathering point for resources. Yeah. And that completely changes the game because the economic system, Earth's economic systems are based on the idea that resources are limited. And so I'd be really interested to see, you know, how that transforms once it's almost like you don't even know how much of anything you have. Would like to me, wouldn't that collapse global economies? But um, is that a good thing, a bad thing? But yeah. Economic collapse, obviously not a good thing. More, <laughs> more resources, that's a great thing. Yeah, it's it's like we learn in school, like the the kind of you take a surface integral. And all of the contents within that surface integral are the the sum, right? And so Earth Only has been Jayden that. Only Jaden would that... like connect us to calculus. <laughs> well, it's it's a good parallel, right? So like Earth is this this bounded integral, but as soon as we oh go beyond, God. we can just expand. <laughs> and and you're right, Katan. There's there's no limit to that. Yeah, you know, we were talking earlier about the technologies, the materials that have been developed, because a lot of the the earlier technologies seem to be materials, um, because the the technologies have kind of become legacy in terms of flight computers and whatever. But some of the services that we take for granted from an economic scope, uh, there, there are kind of three services provided by satellite systems being telecommunications. So that's telephone calls and services for the network providers, right? Because they have to you know, manage all of the calls coming in. Then broadcasting, which is radio and television and data communications. So straight up, just whatever packets you need to send here and there, that's handled. So all of those services are extremely beneficial, things we take for granted and have for several years now, maybe data is more recent, but uh, certainly broadcasting telecommunications. Uh, and who is to say that there won't be future step function advancements in terms of the services that can be provided? You said step with... function. <laughs> Just throwing in all the math. Um, so those advancements, I mean, we're seeing satellite constellations like OneWeb, SpaceX, providing global data coverage through kind of conventional Wi-Fi means, if you will. Um, Kepler Communications providing internet to space, so from Earth and beyond. All of these technologies are really nascent. We're not seeing the full development of them. And there's, of course, so much more to come. It's an exciting time to kind of be keeping up with the the aerospace or to be involved in the aerospace and industry. It, it's that kind of thinking that is again another reason for why space in the space industry and space race, for example, or now we're kind of having a a Mars race, you know, is interesting because it it doesn't only serve you know those tangible benefits benefits, those tangible technologies, those tangible economic benefits, but there's a cultural aspect to it. Personally, if, I mean, if the space race hadn't happened, if, you know, those famous overused words, like one small step for man, one giant leap for humanity hadn't been said. Someone one like giant me, leap for mankind. You got it wrong. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's bad. But um, if those words hadn't been said, someone like me probably wouldn't be where I am. Because I, you know, I was always curious when I was younger about space and about, you know, what makes things work because of this whole, like, almost fantastical nature to it. 
Mm-hmm. And there's actually even statistics which show that during the space race, there was a huge increase in, in students getting um, higher education, such as PhDs and masters, so specifically in the engineering domains, um, because they now they had somewhere to funnel into, somewhere you know interesting, somewhere you know where they could you know feed into their passion. And I think that that's almost one of the most interesting aspects to it, where you're inspiring generations to pursue something else. Yep, I agree. I think like all of us probably have our own kind of fascination with space um, kind of story. And this is why like for children, you see things like space camp and like junior astronauts and all this, because there is just this big curiosity factor and this big like, it just lifts your spirits. It makes you excited about science and engineering and technology and you're right there's definitely more to it than just the tangible you know benefits that you'll get there is such a benefit to the human spirit about it where it's striving for things that are challenging and doing that consistently over time one of the beautiful couplings i think in history is neil armstrong making those those words when he lands on the moon and then much earlier, JFK saying we, cho- we choose to go to the moon in this decade, not because they're, it's easy, but because it's hard uh, and do the other things, not because they're easy, but because they're hard. It's this kind of coupling of casting that vision into the future and then seeing it to completion. And now because we're at a point where we're going to be developing so much of the infrastructure for the future of space exploration, just kind of leaving Earth really for the first time in at scale, we'll be able to see these kind of generational missions like setting up bases on the moon, on Mars, developing those kind of resource chains to collect from asteroids from other locations. Like there is something to be said about how powerful a vision can be, you know, having a common objective and a common goal like that and you know i think that is what really pushes technology to the next level but you know i can understand um why there might be a degree of skepticism behind it you know it's a lot of money it's a lot of risk you know people have died up there Mm -hmm. um so is it worth the risk is it worth the money i guess that's like everyone will have a different answer to that right yeah so what are your answers (laughs) well we're biased (laughs) we're here for a reason um i i i think yes um in my opinion like if if i were to kind of weigh the the benefits of space exploration and i think you know the big problems that people always bring up is well why don't we focus on the issues like climate change overpopulation poverty like hunger why don't we focus on these things and i feel like by asking those questions you're kind of implying that space exploration and kind of addressing all these issues are mutually exclusive but like space exploration and just you know as we were talking about like you know spirit curiosity you know pushing the frontiers of like design and engineering and technology and science like all of this like benefits us to like a huge huge degree like we know so much more about things like climate change because we're able to observe this from beyond our atmosphere right like we we know so much more about what we can do with technology because we've 
done that in space. We know more about like radiation, like human biology and so much. Like, I feel like in my opinion, I think that we've benefited so much from it and we're going to continue to benefit from it that I, I think it's worth it. Yeah. Okay. So that's one verdict. Probably <laughs> what we expected. <laughs> Jane, yeah. your thoughts? I'll try to tackle it from a different perspective that diversifying investments is a good thing in general, whether it is financially or in terms of time and, and resources. And so to do that with the investment in space is certainly an incentive because there are undoubtedly opportunities. And yes, if investments fail, the cost is high because a lot has been invested and maybe a lot of it upfront. And then for that to be lost for a, a project to, to fall through, that's of course a, a blow. But that's not to say that all of the investment has been lost either. There's There's been expertise gained through the pursuit of projects and um, all that business. So making sure that the investment is being made into to multiple facets of human development. Um, further, I think aerospace, because it's so challenging and there are multiple areas of expertise that are sprinkled throughout the world, it's a great opportunity to increase government collaboration. And that kind of spawns goodwill as well, where uh, let's say, so with Lunar Gateway, right? Canada Arm 3 is being developed by MDA, which is in Canada. And then there are all these different subcomponents similar to that, that are being developed by other organizations that are coming together to make this thing for the benefit of future space research, future developments, like we're saying, that will fold back and benefit other industries that are completely unrelated to aerospace. So that's that's my verdict. So two yeses, probably. Thoughts, yeah. <laughs> are um, we going to go for a well, clean sweep? Well, yeah, I mean, I think we obviously come at this from a biased perspective, but the kind of the perspective I want to take is that I think uh, what tends to scare people a lot with uh, space and um, space investment specifically is that it's a lot of big numbers you know like we're talking billions trillions of dollars euros whatever currency you're talking billions with a b yes billions <laughs> with a b um but i think it's important to put into perspective that investment into something like space is not the same as investing in something which is a constant drain on money because for example, launching a rocket is a huge one-time cost, but you don't launch a million rockets a day, right? Um, and then the other perspective is putting into like perspective with regards to GDP. So, um, it, you know, we think about the states. The states by far spends the most government money on their space program, and even then it's only about 0.2% of their GDP. And if we're talking Canada, it's about 0.016%. And this is investment from the government in- Into the space program. Right. So like uh, NASA- Governmental or is that yeah. also- um, So that does not investment. include private. Okay. Uh, okay. The private sector is booming more now, but I, 
but this is just government money, which people probably would care more about because this is, you know, their tax money. Taxes, yeah. This is, you know, we're basically paying for this out of our own pockets. But, it, you know, I think that perspective is important because um, on the grand, in the grand scale of things, grand scheme of things, um, it's, it's a huge number, but relatively, you know, there's a lot bigger drains on the economy than these programs. Yep. Yep. So I think we've got kind of all the bases covered. We got the economic base covered, <laughs> kind of, we got the environmental stuff covered. We got the technology stuff covered. Yeah. I think, you know, this is an exciting time. Uh, yeah. I'm super excited to see where to go. Would you, would you guys go to space if you had the opportunity? I think that's a hard question to honestly answer. Really? Because yes, because obviously the initial instinct is to jump at it and be like, yes, of course, I'd go to space. But I think once, let's say you're in the position to go on a mission to Mars or something, somewhere really, really, really far, first time kind mm-hmm. of thing. Or maybe it's a one-way trip. Um, mm. you're I wouldn't ta- do a one-way trip. I wouldn't you're do that. You're <laughs> talking like leaving behind a lot of things. Even if it's just like not a one-way trip, but like a long mission or something. And I think, um, you know, initial instinct would be to um, jump at it and say yes. I think the non-naive side of myself is like, okay, once you're in that position, you start realizing, okay, it's dangerous. You'd be leaving, you know, everything you know, the isolation and everything. Um so I think it's a more complicated question. I think I'd still do it, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jaden, would you do a one-way trip to Mars? Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> For the, the primary reason being, I think I can be of better use to the developments of, say, aerospace or even just other industries and in engineering to stick around here. You know, it's it's very early days and i don't think that my place is best as an expeditionary force i think something like inspiration four would be really interesting because the oh, yeah. the risk is quite low by now the technology is well developed and it's short term as well so you get to have this really unique experience and then you can also return to life with an appreciation for all that lies beyond earth I think that's really the the inspiring part about aerospace, right? Is there's this world, this this universe beyond our world that we get to look out on and have for thousands of years. And now we're pioneering into the exploration of that undiscovered country. And there's so much um, to to benefit from just the the dreaming about the possibilities. Uh, from a student perspective, I came into Utah, University of Toronto aerospace team and didn't really know much about engineering, didn't know much um, in that respect. And working on aerospace problems really trained my own faculties of design. And we're talking about kind of, you know, improvements outside of aerospace. That's definitely been definitely wrong true for me uh, and, and certainly something to to look forward to in the future well i think uh i think that's a good place to wrap <laughs> well 
thank you to everyone for, I guess, joining us for our first episode. Uh, let us know what you think. Uh, would you go to space? Is space exploration worth it? Why? Why not? And um, I'll, I'll let everyone say bye. <laughs> so bye. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. You can follow us on Instagram at underscore the sound of space to continue the conversation and let us know your thoughts on all things aerospace. We hope you've enjoyed listening to The Sound of Space.